You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. And today we're going to hear from Dr. Mark Golston again. He is a psychiatrist who is also a business advisor, consultant, coach, speaker, and author. He also hosts a mental health podcast, and he's quoted frequently in major media, including the Wall Street Journal, Fortune Magazine, Newsweek, Time, CNN, and The Today Show. He's also done some very cool things like training law enforcement and hostage negotiations, and he's quite an expert on trauma and PTSD. He has a new book out for frontline workers about how to handle their PTSD from working during the pandemic, and he's an expert on handling trauma. We're also going to talk about how you can become a more effective communicator by learning how to really listen. Dr. Mark Golston, welcome back to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Amy, that's a lot to live up to. You can but do you it. Just, you can you do it. It's said. New Year's. You got it in you. You're filled with new gum okay, and vigor. Okay, okay. I'm, gonna make, <laughs> uh, I'm on. I'm, I'm ready to go. All right. So I know that you can teach us how to listen better and make us better communicators and have people think that we're way cooler than we really are because we actually know how to listen to them and give them what they need in a conversation. Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to give you a secret. And I spoke in Russia uh, and it went over pretty well. And I gave a talk called Change Everything You Know About Communication. So I'm not only going to give you the secret to this, I'm going to do it with you, Amy. And I think you're going to like it. I want to be a more effective communicator. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to learn how to listen better? So please lay it on me. So. When you're in a conversation and the other person's listening to you, you give them information and they'll give you their mind and you, if you help them, they'll be grateful. But if you realize that everybody is always listening for something and they may not tell you what it is, but if you can know what it is and you get it right, they will lean into you because nobody does that. So I'm going to demonstrate this with you, Amy, so your listeners can get a feel for it. So you're listening to me, you're checking boxes, you want me to, uh, you know, make sure I give good content, and I understand that. But let me see if this is what you're listening for. And hopefully it will be. But if it's true, I'm going to ask you, did that feel any different? Did the conversation feel any different? So I think what you're listening for, Amy, is you really value the trust of your listeners and your customers. It's very important to you. And what you're listening for is doable by them, immediately usable tips that will make their life better, make them feel more inspired. 
And you're listening for that kind of information because if you deliver that, then you've lived up to the trust and confidence of your listeners and readers. I think you're also listening for people who might be so-called experts, but they give nothing. They give terrible information. They're boring. They're tedious. And then you have to protect your listeners from them. And then you have to go back to them and say, uh, uh, I don't know how to say this, but we can't post the podcast. So is any of that accurate that, that you feel this calling to deliver something of immediate value that will make your listeners and readers' lives better? Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't be working this hard if I didn't have that calling because I'm certainly not doing this for the money. I'm doing this because we have so many readers and I have so many fans who tell me how our books and the podcast have changed their lives. So you're absolutely right. I want to deliver value and usable advice with every podcast episode. And I'll tell you, because I listened for tone, the tone of your voice changed and it was really great to begin with, but it's even better because when you use the word calling, I could hear you feeling it. I could hear you feeling, this is my calling. I'm not doing it for the money. Could you feel it when you said it? Yeah, it's a good reminder because I do work so hard and people think I'm crazy because I could retire and instead I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my life. But there's so much positive feedback from the people whose lives I've improved that I keep doing it. Yeah, I'll share something with you because I hope this is chicken soupy, but it could be you know, more, well, I'll just share it with you. There's an anecdote about Abraham Lincoln where he's with an entourage and he's going between towns and he passes a horse stuck in a ditch and he rides by about a half a mile and then he turns around, brings the whole group back to the horse and he gets back to the horse and his entourage said, why did you do that? Why'd you go back? And what Abraham Lincoln said was, I can't get the, I couldn't get the pain of the horse out of my head. And that's, that's, that's what calls out to me, Amy. I mean, I was a suicide uh, prevention specialist for 25 years. I was fortunate none of my patients died by suicide because I couldn't get their pain out of my head. And when people feel that you're taking in their pain and caring about them, that's not just true listening. That's true. They feel cared about is they feel less alone. And when people feel less alone in that pain, they start to cry with relief because all they've ever felt is alone in that pain. And as they cry with relief, they begin to calm down and they begin to heal. That's definitely what we do with Chicken Soup for the Soul. We show people that whatever they're going through, plenty of other people have gone through as well, maybe millions or tens of millions of people, and they've all survived it. And then we give them real life examples of people who have been through the exact same circumstance and how they came out of it and how they're okay now. So that is a big part of what we do. So how can I become a more effective communicator and learn to truly listen to people? So here's, there's a technique that's in my upcoming book, and it's called the HUVA technique, H-U-V-A. And if you apply it once a day in a conversation that you want to go well with a loved one, someone at work, if you do this for a week and then get in the habit of it, it will change your life for the better. And what you do is you have the intention, I want to apply the Hoover technique in this next conversation. Have the conversation, and then afterwards, you rate yourself in each of the HUVA 
categories from their point of view. So you finish the conversation and you ask yourself, if I was them, if I was the other person, how much did they feel heard out by me? Did I interrupt them? Did I let them finish? Did I change the subject? How much did they feel heard out by me? Second, how much did they feel understood by me? Did I ask questions to have them say more so that I could get a better understanding? How much did they feel valued by me? That's the V. You know, you know did, I, uh, did I compete with them? Did I try to change the subject back to me? Did they feel that I valued what they had to say? And then the A is, how much did I add value to what they had to say? And if you can practice that, and by the way, this is uh, some chicken soup advice, you cannot beat up on yourself when you discover you're not naturally very good at this. Uh, because many people will say, I've discovered that I'm awful at this. Well, this is, this is going to make you better. That's why it's a New Year's resolution. But if you do that once a day, and what you're going to feel is when other people feel heard out, understood, valued, and you added value to what they had to say, they're going to lean in towards you. Furthermore, something that I've learned from watching Larry King, I have breakfast with Larry King every morning. Uh, it's changed now, so I occasionally go visit him. But I've, I've watched Larry King, and I've watched the way he interviews people. And I told Larry, I said, Larry, I, inter- I, I figured you out. And I said, what you do, and he, in his interviews, he, does who, he has a Hoover technique. I said, You're, uh, another thing you can use is be a plusser. Don't be a minuser and don't be a topper. And what a, what a plusser is, is you're adding to what the other person says. You're valuing it. You're not competing with it. A minuser is you're being critical. You're getting competitive with them. Uh, you're, you're putting them down. And, and as Larry said, uh, is I never cornered my guests. I never pull a gotcha on them. And then a topper is someone who, when you say something, they try to top you. And, uh, and so I think if you can apply the Hoover technique and you also try to be a plusser instead of a minuser or a topper, just try it for a week. It'll change, it'll change everything. I like that. And because most of us are basically at home and it's winter, it would be great to practice this in your own home on a spouse, a parent, a child. Because sometimes it's good to practice these new techniques on someone who's close to you. They might not know you're practicing on them, but it's good to practice it at home and then you could try it on other people. So I love that. I know that's in your new book, Why Cope When You Can Heal. And we're going to come back and talk about that after the break. We're back with Dr. Mark. Let's talk about healthcare workers and the stress they're under. And this new book, from you called Why Cope When You Can Heal. I know this book is for the frontline workers and you can explain how it's going to help them, but I have a feeling there are a lot of lessons in it for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. One lesson, which is kind of almost like a, a, this is a transition link to the first part of our interview. One of the challenges with dealing with healthcare workers is they live to serve and they don't often want to share their problems. So they're seeing awful, horrible things, and then they're just pushing them away so they can focus because they are duty-bound to serve. So something that we're encouraging when people have meetings, and you can do this at home, is to 
ask people, and this is the way you can prime the conversation and open it up and then, then apply the Hoover techniques and the plus, plus thing we talked about earlier, is you say to people, what's the best thing that happened to you since we last spoke? And what's the greatest challenge that you're facing? And what happens is they'll talk about the best thing. And when they, and when they talk about the challenge, and, and you use the word challenge because it keeps it as their responsibility. A lot of times people are afraid to open other people because they're going to say, well, what if I can't help them? Well, when you say, what's your greatest challenge? And they'll open up about it. And then you drill down and you say, say more about that. How are you dealing with it? And so that's one way to prime really good conversation. This is also a great thing to do with your, and not just your families, but your teams. This is a great way to open up Zoom calls. You know, if you have a, a dozen people you're meeting with, you know, what was the best thing since our last meeting? What was the greatest challenge for each person? And you will feel everything change. But getting back to why cope when you can heal, what's interesting is it is for healthcare workers, but it'll work for veterans, it'll work for anyone who's been deeply traumatized. And this is how you find a title for a book. I'm, you know, because I'm a trauma expert and a suicide expert, I know a number of people who've dealt with trauma. And when I said to them, Amy, I have a new book called Why Cope When You Can Heal, they start to cry. And I said, what are you crying about? And they say, if only. What do you mean, if only? They say, I cope. Coping's better than not coping, but I'm not the same. What do you mean? My guard's up. I don't really relax. I don't really feel at peace. I get exhausted, but I don't feel at peace. I have fun, but I really don't have joy. And so why coping you can heal, how healthcare heroes of COVID-19 can recover from PTSD, we wanted to help them begin to heal. And in, our, in the book, we introduced what I hope will be a new field and people will want to learn how to do it called surgical empathy. Surgical empathy. That sounds somehow very sterile to me, like you're cutting something out and going in in a very precise manner. But I don't know why that sounds somewhat non-empathetic to me. Well, well, the, well the reason for it, is because empathy is, is too soft a word. You know, when, when you use the word empathy, the people who need it most but don't want it, it's tough to get through to them. And, you know, you speak to a lot of people who are left brain, high achievers, they hear the word empathy, they go, oh, here we go again. And so surgical is a way to get their curiosity because they tend to be, uh, you know, high achievers and empathy is something they know they should get better at, but, you know, they don't know how to do it. But the reason we call it surgical empathy is that when you imagine if you're a healthcare worker or a veteran and you have seen horrendous things, what happens is when you have seen horrendous things, but you're duty bound, you don't abandon it, the horrendous things can start to traumatize your mind because it's just too much. You start to feel horror, then you feel terror, then you feel fragile, and then inside your brain, in your mind, you say, don't panic, you got to work. And what happens is in order to not panic and focus and work, you have to push all that stuff away, because you got to show up to work the next day. 
And what happens is what enables you to do that is you get an adrenaline rush. And not adrenaline rush as a good thing, but when danger happens, adrenaline goes up. And adrenaline can make you do things that you didn't think you were capable of. You don't know if you're going to make it through the next shift and, and, and then you're up 48 hours because you just have to be. But then when the danger passes, the adrenaline insulation from all that stuff you pushed away, the insulation goes away. And so what it feels like is everything you pushed down and pushed away feels like it's going to come up and rip you apart. So you do everything you can to keep it down. And the analogy we use is imagine that every time you do that, you take a, a, your pet cat and you put it in the cellar and it starts screaming. And then, every, then the next thing happens and you put another cat in the cellar and then 10 more and then 100 more. So imagine you're going through what is a war. COVID-19 is a war for all of us, but especially uh, healthcare workers and first responders. So imagine you have 500 screaming hungry cats in a cellar and that's how you function. And then hopefully the danger passes, the adrenaline goes away, but imagine that now there's a little crack in the cellar door and it feels like all those cats you pushed away are gonna jam through and rip you apart. So why cope when you can heal is a way to help people using surgical empathy go in there and help them safely rethink and refeel the things they, didn't, they weren't able to when they were going through the trauma so it doesn't rip them apart. It's like targeted empathy. It's exactly targeted. And you're a doctor, so you say surgical because like you go in and you just get out that tumor. So it's targeted and precise. And it sounds like you don't want to lay it all open for these workers because they need to suppress a lot of it, but you can just go in and release the pressure by going in in a targeted manner and letting a little of it out at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so what we do is we actually have something in the book called the 12 Phases Emotional Algorithm. It's a terrible word, but people who are you know high achievers and sort of left brain, they like algorithms. And in the beginning of it is trauma, horror, terror, fragile, overriding panic, suppress your thoughts, which you can do consciously, repress your feelings, the danger passes, and then it feels like it's gonna come up, all those cats are gonna come up and out and rip you apart. So the idea is to go through that after the danger has passed, and then we, have an, uh, then we have an exercise called the 12 words. And so when you're going through that in a journal or in groups who have been uh, gone through it together and we're doing pilot programs with veterans on this, the 12 words are, are emotional words such as uh, anxious, frustrated, uh, afraid, angry, depressed, overwhelmed, numb, exhausted. And so there's 12 words because when you, as people are going through and retelling what was the horrific moment, what, when did you feel terrified, and you give them one of the emotional words, and what happens is when you give someone an emotional word that matches what they're feeling, it lowers activation in their emotional brain. When you take the precise word that matches what you're feeling, I, I 
at that horrific moment, what did I feel? I felt overwhelmed. What you're doing, interestingly, when you apply the word to the feeling is you're creating self-empathy and releasing oxytocin. And oxytocin is a bonding hormone, and oxytocin lowers the stress hormone cortisol. You're also validating the person's feeling. Totally. Because if they're saying they were overwhelmed, you say, yeah, that sounds like it was totally overwhelming. Now, you don't even have to have a solution for them, but you're validating their feelings and already making them feel understood and valued and heard out. Oh, exactly. So it's a big difference, right? And you go even deeper. So they say overwhelmed. And then what you say, how, at its worst, how overwhelmed? So you're draining pus. This is an abscess. Really overwhelmed. Was there a time when you didn't know how you were going to make it through the next day or even the next hour? Yeah. Take me there. So what happens is, here's an interesting phenomena in our minds. When you get someone else to describe something so clearly that you can see it as the listener with your own eyes, they refeel it. But when they refeel it, they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then what happens is, if you're in a conversation with someone else, or you're even journaling it, because the journaling is a way of having a conversation with yourself. What happens is that the oxytocin in you, the calming bonding hormone goes way up. And when that happens, you begin to calm down. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Feeling alone is such a huge part of people's despair. And having this validated knowing that people are really listening to them, valuing what they're saying, telling them, yeah, you're right, it matters. That was terrible for you. I think that's really great. Well, we are out of time, but I really appreciate you telling us about your new book, Why Cope When You Can Heal, which would be a really excellent thing for people to give to the healthcare heroes in their communities and in their families, because no matter what the people are doing, whether they are specialists in a whole different medical field, whether they're first responders, they're all dealing with the trauma of COVID-19, the daily risks they impose upon themselves and all of the suffering that they see. So I really appreciate this. I love the HUVA listening exercise that we're all going to try as a, a more feasible New Year's resolution for everybody who's already dropped the lose 10 pounds part of their resolution list. So thank you, Mark, for joining us today. And I know that if people want to learn more about you, they can go to www.markgoulston.com. And that's, Goulston is G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N, markgoulston.com. So thanks so much for joining us and Happy New Year to you. Well, thank you. And they can also go to whycopewhenyoucanheal.com so they can find out much more information that's connected to our book. All right, great. I'm going to let you know how I do with this HUBA technique. I want to become a better listener because it makes you a better human being if you're a better listener. So thank you. I'm Amy Newmark. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. Come back next time for a preview of our new book for teens about thinking positively, using gratitude, facing challenges, and giving back. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.